Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Okay, has anybody been enjoying the pastor's preaching? Anybody not been it? No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's been fantastic. It, it's actually Kate. It's not been normally into the kind of every week and, and that kind of mentality. But she actually said to me the other day, "I've really enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed this." But even more importantly, she's looking at me like vague, like she didn't say that. But yeah. um, even more importantly is the fact that she said to me the other day, "I think I've saved the best till last." Now, I'm putting a bit of pressure on her to make that go public, but there is an air of confidence in her right now that I feel like is good. So, are you going to draw that out of her? Because you know you can think you've got it all going on, and if, 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 the, if the congregation aren't quite, you know, on it, it, it can zap the energy. And it can, so, so, are you going to work with her? Yeah? Right. Give her a massive round of applause then she comes up and finishes off this series. Week six, this is the last one. Give it all you got, girl. I will. Just to put a little bit of context around what I said, when I said I've left the best till last, what I actually meant was, I think this one is the most challenging one of all. So if you think you've already been challenged in some way, get ready for this. <sighs> Look, I've got the mic, okay? You just, just sit down. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you if I've not met you before, and hi, online. Stories told of a famous concert violinist who played in New York's Carnegie Hall. And when asked how she had become so skillful, she replied that it was through something called planned neglect. And she said, I decide every day that I am going to neglect things and even people that would take me away from the priority of practicing. She was so focused on a particular end, and she was willing to neglect whatever didn't lead to that end. Jesus sometimes displayed small cases of planned neglect in his ministry. When he found out his mate Lazarus was dying, he didn't immediately just go and rush to his side. He actually waited for several days. And when he did finally arrive, as many of you will know if you read your Bible, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Mary and Martha were there, and they were both crying, and they said, Jesus... Lord, Lord, if, if you'd have come and we asked, then our brother wouldn't have died. But Jesus had planned this neglect deliberately. And he deliberately neglected his own feelings. If you knew somebody was dying and they'd asked you to come, you'd go, wouldn't you? You'd go. And Jesus is the most compassionate person that ever walked the planet. He would definitely have gone. He had to plan to neglect his own feelings. And what's true of the concert violinist and of Jesus, is also true of many great women, men and women of the faith. If you've ever read any biographies of, of Christian people, you'll know that, that they are great examples of people who have deliberately had to neglect something in their life in order to pursue the calling of God. Missionaries have neglected the comfort and safety of their homelands to go to some far-off country, some far corner of the world. Sybil, for decades, was a missionary abroad, gave up living in the wonderful Ed Walton to go to the far corners of the world. Pastors have neglected careers that would have been far easier and would have come with far more generous 
financial rewards. Ali mentioned Lynn today. Lynn and Kathy have given up incredible careers with amazing pay packets to serve God. And countless Christians have neglected hobbies or passions that would take them away from dedicating their lives to Jesus or learning about him or just drawing closer to him, as we heard from Claire. Where's she gone this morning? She's gone. Oh, she's there. She's hiding at the back. James 4.8. The concept of plan neglect challenges me, actually, because on the whole, I think I lead a pretty... Comfortable, I would say. Pretty comfortable life. But from time to time, I know that God has called me to neglect the things that I love in order that I could spend more time with him so that I could draw closer to him. I gave up my career. We ended up giving up our family home and, and downsizing because we went into the ministry. And when I first got saved, Jesus really challenged me on some of the things that were still in the house. One of them being my rap and hip-hop CD collection. I just love that kind of music. I still do, but I don't like the lyrics and I don't like what it stands for. And it wasn't long before the Holy Spirit just said to me, they need to go. And I was like, yeah, I take them down the charity shop. And God was like, no, no, they need to go in the bin. Like, I don't want anybody else to listen to that. So they went in the bin and it wasn't long after that that all my criminology books, they went in the wheelie bin as well. And God just kept talking to me about the things that he knew were not going to be good for me, that were not edifying. And many of you will know that Ali and I will never go and watch an 18 at the cinema because we tried it once and it was horrific and we walked out after five minutes. So sometimes God just asks us to, that we need to give some stuff up, to plan to neglect some stuff if it's going to take us away from our walk with him. Now, most of you, I think by now, will know that I have a massive passion of forests, right? Yeah, goes without saying. But I bet you don't know this. When I gave my life back to Jesus at 24, within a year, I stopped going to forest. I stopped following forest. I stopped supporting forest. In fact, I stopped supporting anything football. I didn't watch it on the telly. I didn't look for results. I didn't hunt anything down. I didn't go by the Nottingham Football Post on a Saturday as I used to do. I didn't look at programs. And that went on for 17 years. So I've only been back watching Forest for 10 years. And I, the reason I did it was because I knew that I needed to be fully focused on my faith. Because I knew that I didn't have the spiritual maturity at the time to have Forest and God in my life because Forrest had been my God. That was what I worshipped. That was what I idolised. And I had a, a, a fear of falling back into the person that I used to be. So I planned to neglect one of the greatest passions in my life. And that happened for nearly two decades. But in my 17th year of no Forrest in my life, I had a dream. And when I woke up from my dream, Within five minutes, I'd had a text that confirmed my dream. And in my dream, the Lord came to me and told me that I was going to go back to a football match. And I was like, what on earth? Why? Why would I do that? I haven't been for 17 years. Not interested. Don't want to know. Can't be that person again. And five minutes later, a text dropped in from a lad that was in our church at the time with two tickets to a forest match. And I texted him straight back and said, one of those tickets is mine. And he was like, what? You don't go to football? What? What?" He said, well, you can't anyway. It's my, it's my mates. It's my best mates. We're both going. It was Forest Derby, by the way, biggest game of the season. And I said, you don't understand. I know that that ticket is mine, and I know that I need to go to that football match. So he said, look, Kate, I'll go and talk to my mate and see if he doesn't want it, but you've got no chance. 
So anyway, I just put the phone down. I thought, I have. I've got every chance because I know I'm meant to be at that football match. He came back literally within minutes and he said, Kate, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, I am. Carry on. He said, you can have the ticket. Not only can you have the ticket, he doesn't even want any money for it. I said, thank you very much. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm like, well, where we, where we sat then? What stand are we in? Are we in you know, Brian Clough or Trenton? It says, no, 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 Kate. It's not a forest. It's at Derby. Biggest game of the season for any Forest fan is away at Derby. And I hadn't been to a game for 17 years. And I was like, this is a Holy Ghost setup. What on earth is going? And there's so much that I could tell you about that game. And things really did happen. And it was just amazing. But anyway, suffice to say, I went to the game. I loved it. We drew one all. And at that game, I had a pint of lager and black. And I'd been teetotal since the day I gave my life to God because that was another thing that I didn't think that I could cope with being a Christian. I thought, if I have one drink, I'm going to go back to being the alcoholic that I was when I was a Forest fan. If I go to one Forest match, I'm going to become the hooligan that I was when I went to Forest. And it just wasn't true. And what had happened was the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Kate, you've become religious in the way that you think in your lifestyle, and God needed to show me that actually it's all right to go and have a pint, and it's all right to go and watch a bit of football, and the main thing was that he was trying to show me was I was never going to be that person again, but it had to be the Lord that showed me that. My planned neglect of nearly two decades of following something that I was so passionate about, in the end, ended up with God actually giving me back something that I loved, but this time it wasn't the biggest passion in my life, he was. Forrest is definitely number two, but he, he is number one. He is number one. And if God told me today, that's it, you, you're not going again, I wouldn't go and I would become exactly who I was before because I'll do whatever God says. But maybe there's something that you guys need to plan to neglect. Maybe there's something that God's speaking to you that you know shouldn't be in your life. Probably isn't football. I'm just an all or nothing kind of person. But maybe there's something that's impacting the amount of time that you're spending with God. It might be Netflix, it might be an Xbox, it might be children, it, 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 it might be your job. It could be money or power, it could be anything at all. Whatever is taking you away from your time with God is an idol in your life. And I, I don't know if many of you followed Brian um, Hardin on the Daily Audio Bible, but on Thursday he did a most amazing commentary on, on idol worship. And I would thoroughly encourage you to go and have a listen to it. But what is it that you need to plan to neglect? Is there something that you know you have, you're going to have to deliberately choose to neglect, even if you love it? And if the answer to that is yes, then are you going to surrender it to God? You know, we don't just wake up one day and have a great relationship with God. Just like we don't become number one in our game by doing what we want. We have to get up early. We have to practice. We have to miss out on some stuff that others are doing. We maybe don't go out with our mates that night because we've got to get to the one thing that we're pursuing. And it takes commitment, and it takes effort, and it takes sacrifice. And our lives are busy, aren't they? So much more that we want to do. I don't know about you, but I actually find it pretty easy to keep on finding new and creative ways to waste time. TikTok is terrible for me. If I get into bed at night and put TikTok on, I can be scrolling for hours, and it's rubbish. Just scroll away. And I, I have plans of what I'm going to neglect. And then it doesn't happen. But if you don't act on it, it just remains a plan. 
So my prayer is that God is going to show us some things this morning that we need to neglect. And not only that, but he's going to empower us to do it. You know, it's easy to just say, yeah, I'm going to give that up. But then you've got to follow it through. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. So plan neglect literally means that we walk past every other chore or project. Past the undone dishes, the dust on the counters, the clutter from a week's worth of mail, past the office mess, past the kids' toys on the carpet, and maybe even sacrificing some time with our friends. Tozer said, if a man wants to be used by God, he can't spend all of his time with people. We need to get past all the stuff we really want to do and neglect it to get to the one thing that really matters. And that is our pursuit of a relationship with God. Too many of us are prioritizing the wrong things and we're going to need some help to put that right. Nothing should be more important to us than our relationship with him. You know, Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. But it's about us doing our bit first. We need to go after God. Claire mentioned James 4, 8. Seek God and he will come looking for you. And we'll have to fight some variables that rob us of our time. Some of you have got your mobiles in your hands. And these can be one of the worst things, can't they? Our phones. If you ever leave your phone behind, you feel like you've had your right arm cut off, don't you? It's like, oh no, I've got to go home and get my phone. Can't live without it. Yeah, but, but someone's texted me. Well, that's okay. Answer it later. If you hadn't looked at your phone, you didn't know there was a text there to answer in the first place. For me, it's got to be a phone call to know that it's, it's really important. And you know what? Even if it's a life or death situation phone call, if the person's died, what, what's the hurry in answering it? Unless you think you're going to go and raise them from the dead. Why, where are we going in such a hurry? You know, I used to answer texts at all times of the day and night. It was the first thing that I'd do in the morning. It was the last thing I'd do at night. And I'd be in my quiet time with God and people would be texting me and I'd be answering them back straight away. And, and I'm thinking... Hang on, not one of these texts that's come in is more important than spending time with Jesus. All these things can wait. All these things can wait. So I encourage us, ditch the phone sometimes, plan to neglect your mobiles, especially when when you're with Jesus. Let's prioritise him. Because what we prioritise shows us what is most important to us in life. Let's aim to prioritise Jesus and learn this art of plan neglect. I think the highlight of my sabbatical and the thing that I got most excited about was my quiet time with God. Many of you know that I'm very disciplined. It just comes naturally to me. I just love getting my head in the word of God. And I've always been disciplined in this. It's not even hard for me. It's just part of my DNA to get up early and to just commit the first part of my day to God. And actually, I can't cope without him. I wouldn't want to go into my day if I hadn't spent time with God. My quiet time is really, really important to me. I just... It's just, it's just everything. And I just, I need him. We need him. When you're going about your day, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to equip you. You know, when I wake up in the morning, as many of you know, the first thing I prophesy is today, it's going to be a very extraordinary day. And it often is. Because I've asked it, I'm seeking for it, I'm believing for it. And then I'll just be in the word of God and I'll be asking him, who do you want me to impact today? Who do you want me to influence? Who do you want me to text? Who do I need to speak to? What conversations do you want me to get into? 
And I couldn't do that without God. I can't just think things up and think, oh, I'm just going to text them and encourage them. I need the Holy Spirit to show me who to speak to and what to say. And I say on average, I spend about one and a half to two hours with the Lord every morning. And this is just me. This is, this is just me, okay? This is not for anyone else. I'm just talking to you about me. I just love being in his presence and one thing he taught me in, in COVID um, was that I didn't need to get out of the house for nine o'clock in the morning because my, my job is, is quite flexible because I work probably most evenings anyway. And that allowed me to have even more time with him. But on sabbatical, it was just amazing because I didn't have anyone in the diary. I wasn't meeting anyone. I wasn't texting anyone. And I could literally spend from breakfast till dinner just at my little desk, spending time in the presence of Jesus, just... Being with him, reading, learning, receiving wisdom, revelation, praying for you guys. And, you know, if you could make a career out of that, that, that would be my dream job. Just spending time with Jesus. That'd be wonderful. Wouldn't worry, wouldn't worry about the pay. That would just be wonderful. But my eyes were just so open wide on sabbatical to what true devotion actually is. It's not a duty. It's a delight. And it's not an exercise in discipline. It's an absolute privilege. And it's not so much a visit. It's a homecoming. That's what our relationship with Jesus should be like. But most of us live in the real world where we get up, we walk the dog, throw on some clothes, sort the kids' lunch boxes out, stick a wash on, maybe hang some washing out on the line, do a school run, and then you leg it to your own jobs. And I get it, and I've done it. Martin Luther was once asked by a friend what his plans were for the following day. And he replied, work, work from early till late. In fact, I have so much to do, I'm going to spend the first three hours of it in prayer. He was also purported to say, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer every morning, the devil will get the victory throughout the day. And someone else said, every Christian needs at least half an hour of prayer every day, except when it's busy. And then they need an hour. The more we have to cram into our schedules, the more problems that we have, the more time that we need to spend with God. Now, most of us would say, I've just got so much to do today, I haven't got the time to do that with God. But if you're saying that, I need to challenge you and say, you've got it the wrong way around. It's the wrong way around. Spending time with God will never hinder you in anything, ever. Praying is never a waste of time. In all my years of ministry, the one thing I have rammed home to people who think they don't have time for God is to challenge them to give it a go. Yeah, you've got an essay deadline. Don't go straight to the essay Go and spend some time with God. You've got a work deadline. Don't spend extra time at work. Go and spend it with your family and ask God to give you the creative genius to help you. He made the sun stand still in the Bible. It can stop the clock for you guys if you need extra time. Something has to be done for Monday and you think, I'm just going to skip church so I can get it done. No. God will deal with Monday for you. Come and worship him. You've got elderly parents sapping you of energy. Don't go straight to them. Go to God and ask him to renew your strength like the eagles. Charles Stanley says, We can be tired, weary, and emotionally distraught, but after spending time alone with God, we find that he injects into our bodies energy, power, and strength. That's what happens when you spend time in the presence of God. So what are you going to overlook to spend more time with Jesus? I'm reminded of the story, My Heart, Christ's Home. This was the first sermon I ever preached from this pulpit, actually, 20 plus years ago. And it still amazes me that Jesus, through the presence of his Holy Spirit, actually comes into our hearts 
and makes it his home. And the author of this story is called Munger, and he says, Jesus came into the darkness of my heart and turned on the light. He built a fire in the hearth and banished the chill. He started music where there had been stillness, and he filled the emptiness with his own loving, wonderful fellowship. And he goes on to tell how he showed Jesus around every house of his heart, and he invited him to settle down and be perfectly at home, welcomed him room by room. And it says this, together they, they went to the library of his mind. It was a very small room with thick walls. And they peered into the dining room, which was his appetites and his desires. And they spent time in the workshop, which was his talents and skills. That's where they were kept. And then the playroom of certain associations, friendships, activities and amusements. And they even poked their head into the cupboard under the stairs, filled with dead, rotten things that he'd managed to hoard. But it was his depiction of the living room that changed me. It changed the way I viewed my time with him. And this is how the story goes. We walked next into the living room. This room was rather intimate and comfortable. I liked it. It had a fireplace, overstuffed chairs, a bookcase, sofa, and a quiet atmosphere. Jesus was pleased with it as well. And he said, this is an amazing room. Let's come here often. It's secluded and it's quiet and we can have fellowship together. Well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than have a few minutes with Jesus in intimate friendship. And he promised me this. I'll be with you. I'll be here every morning early. Meet with me here and we can start the day together. So morning after morning, I would come down the stairs to the living room and he would take a book of the Bible and he would open it and he would read, read it to me. He would tell me of its riches and unfold to me its truths. They were amazing hours. It was wonderful. It was a period when we had our quiet time together. But little by little, under the pressure of many responsibilities, this time began to be shortened. And I began to miss a day now and then. And then I would miss two days in a row and often more. I remember one morning when I was in a hurry and I passed the living room and the door was ajar. And looking in, I saw in the fireplace, right next to it, Jesus sat there. Jesus. Forgive me, have you been here all these mornings? Yeah, he said, I told you I was going to be here every morning to meet with you. And then I felt ashamed. He'd been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. And I asked for his forgiveness and he readily forgave me. He said, the trouble with you is this. You've been thinking of the quiet time of the Bible study and the prayer as a factor in your own spiritual progress. But you've forgotten that this hour actually means something to me as well. What an amazing thought. That Jesus wants to spend quality time with you, with me. That he looks forward to our time together and he misses it when we don't show up. Once that message started sinking into my heart, I started looking at my devotional time in a whole new way. It was not a ritual for me. It was a relationship. And a relationship doesn't just happen. It has to be nurtured and protected and loved. And it's never too late to pursue that living room kind of intimacy with the Lord that Munger describes. And you can start that today if that's something that you're not doing. God's not after your perfection, but he is after your friendship. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. Have you ever stood anyone up? Mm. <laughs> or just plain forgotten that you were meant to be meeting somebody or not put it in your diary and then you get a call saying, uh, are you on your way? Oh, Anna. I stood Anna up. Oh, it was awful. I mean, no one does it on purpose, do they? Well, I hope you don't. You, you shouldn't. <laughs> we don't purposely stand people up. And yet sometimes we stand up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
We fail to plan to neglect other stuff. We put other people and things and stuff and work ahead of him and he gets pushed to the back of the line, discarded, unimportant. Sorry, Jesus, I'm too busy. I'll check in with you tomorrow. Would you do that with any other relationship? Would you say that to your partner? Oh, you know what, Al, Al, you're listening. You're not my priority. You're not my priority. I mean, yeah, we, we would say it to a partner because we're meant to love God more than we love our partners. But you know what I'm saying. You wouldn't just stand somebody up ignorantly. Why, why would we stand Jesus up when he's waiting to spend time with us? And maybe you've been stood up. I wonder how that made you feel. I've spent numerous occasions in coffee shops telling the waitress, yeah, just five more minutes. I'm, ju- I'm just waiting for them. You've paid for your parking. You've made the effort. You've spoken to God about the person. You've asked him to show you what he should say. And then they don't turn up. It's rude. And I'm not blaming anyone because, like I say, I've stood people up. But being stood up, it evokes some really raw emotions in you, doesn't it? It makes you jump to the wrong conclusions. And sometimes our first thoughts are like, seriously? Do you know who I am? Do you know how important I am? Do you know how busy my time is? I could be seeing somebody else now. I could be saving the lost, setting people free. So rude. Come on, we've all thought it. And then the flesh kicks out and the spirit kicks back in and you think, oh gosh, I hope they've had a car crash. I hope everything's okay. Better just text them and find out and you get all concerned. But those feelings of being stood up, those feelings of, of rejection, does make you think, does, does Jesus know those feelings? Does Jesus literally feel that rejection that we feel in those times when we don't spend time with him? Sorry, Lord, I'm too tired. I'm just going to hit that snooze button again. Lord, God, you know, I've got a lot on at the minute. Actually, that assignment deadline is so important. I, I need to get that done. Oh, I've got to go to that meeting. It's so important, but I'll, I'll see you later. We're on week six of a sermon series on use it or lose it. And I'm telling you, if we don't work at our relationship with God, if we don't maintain meeting with him, speaking with him, learning from him, reading his word, attending this place, what we don't maintain will eventually deteriorate. I would say to you, do you want your relationship with God to deteriorate? We've mentioned James 4.8, draw near to me, says the Lord, and I'll draw near to you. We have to do our bit first. We have to draw near to him in order for him to draw near to us. Can we get the band up? I think Sandy and Sean might be in the back room. And steward, you can do your little job for me. Thank you. You know, more than anything, more than anything in church, as a senior leadership team, this is what we are most passionate for you guys. Your spiritual well-being. More than any other thing that we've spoken about in the last six weeks. More than, more than your finances. More than your relationships with other people. More than your, your body, your temple. This is it for us. That you know God. And I say that because I think if you can get this area of your life sorted, it will help you to sort every other area of your life. I'm not saying it's going to be plain sailing with Jesus, but he'll come in. He promises us that he'll never leave us, that he'll fight for us, that he favours us, that he loves us, that he blesses us. And I'll throw this in for free as well. Anything we purposely neglect for Jesus, we are going to be blessed for. 
I honestly believe that the only reason I've got to where I am right now is because I did purposely neglect something for 17 years. I'm so glad I did. Because it made me draw closer to God. Because I put him first. If you neglect God, you're going to suffer. If you don't know the word of God, you're going to suffer. Because you won't be able to apply the spiritual laws and the principles and the promises into your life situations. He doesn't promise us a plain sailing life, like I said. But he does promise that he'll be with us in all of it. Don't allow this area of your life to stagnate or to deteriorate. Make this your number one priority to practice planned neglect and embark on the most exciting journey of your life with Jesus at the centre. And if you actually had any idea how madly Jesus wants to meet with you, you would drop everything right now and run down here. We've put a red carpet out the front. This is a space where you can come and just be. And I remember the era of the altar call. Oh, it was so amazing. So amazing to experience and to watch. The good news will be preached and people will just want to give their lives to Jesus right there and then. They want to repent of stuff that was distracting them from their walk with him. And people would literally come flying down the aisles, snot and tears, just waiting and wanting to get close to God. I've seen people in this church scramble from the back row over chairs to get to this altar to put their lives right with God. And today, he wants to spend some time with you. He's waiting for you to come. His arms are open wide and his heart is 100% for you. And it doesn't matter how you come, rich or poor, hungover, wallowing in addiction, trapped in sin, messed up in some kind of adulterous affair, fiddling your taxes. All he says is, just come. Just come. He longs to spend time with us. He wants to deepen his friendship with us because we were created by him, for him, to be in relationship with him. Regardless of what our lives might look like and what we're getting up to and the messes we might be in right now, he still wants us. You know, that shame you carry, it's not a problem for him. It's actually the very thing that he loves most to work on in your life. The sins, they don't cause his love to take a hit. They cause his love to surge forward all the more. His heart breaks for you. He's not put off by anything from your past. In fact, the things you hate most about yourself is what makes him just want to hug you harder. This is the God that we serve. His thoughts for us outstrip anything that we can possibly conceive. And he's standing at the door and he's knocking and he's waiting for us to answer. How long are you going to make him wait? Above all else, church, above all else, please put more effort into spending time with Jesus than into any other relationship or hobby or job or anything else on this planet. I want to close with an Old Testament Bible story. 2 Chronicles 12, 13 to 14 says this. So King Rehoboam grew strong in Jerusalem and reigned. He was 41 years old when he began to reign and he reigned, <laughs> I've not noticed this before, he reigned for 17 years in Jerusalem. That's my 17 years of no forest. The city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And Rehoboam did evil for he did not set his heart to seek the Lord 
King Rehoboam wasn't a good king. We don't need to list his sins, but I'll tell you what caused them and what will cause ours. Spiritual neglect. God said of this ungodly king, he did evil for he didn't set his heart to seek me. Are you getting this? God's saying here that a heart not set on seeking him, a heart set on spiritually neglecting him is evil. It's wrong. It's wrong to neglect him. It's wrong to choose busyness over him. It's wrong to put him on the back burner of your life and put other things before him. It's wrong. It's evil. This is massive. That, that puts the fear of God in me. When we choose anything else above him, he's not our number one. It's easy to say, I'll get alone with my Bible and, and pray and seek the Lord just after I get this thing done, Lord, or I'll have more time once this phase of my life is over. And I get it because we're busy. And I'm busy, my plate's full too. But if we're too busy for God, there's something so wrong, church. Something so wrong. Because you can't do your life without God. The spiritual discipline of spending time with God isn't even a time issue. It's a heart and desire issue. Spiritual neglect is the easiest of sins to commit. It takes no effort and it costs nothing. It offers us zero resistance. Plan neglect is the opposite. It is hard. It is sacrificial. But it will draw you closer to God. We're going to sing. But I want to pray for us quickly. Will you stand with me? I want to encourage you you know there's something you just want to put right with God or you just you just want to come and just be in his presence at the altar on the red carpet before him come now don't wait for other people to come don't worry about the things that you're doing or not doing just come come and spend time with him heavenly father help us forgive us God forgive us God for the times that we have not prioritized you draw us Lord deeper into you God give us a newfound desire to want to spend more time with you. And Holy Spirit, will you show us those areas of our life that we know that we need to plan to neglect? Or maybe we don't even know it, but you want to highlight it to us this morning. Areas that we need to neglect so that we can draw closer to you, so that we can pursue you. Whatever we don't maintain eventually deteriorates. Please, church, let's not let that be said of our spiritual life.